Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am Kira, your host, and this is Neurodiverse in Your Universe. Um, on today's episode, this is episode number two, so if you are back again, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Today's episode is going to be a Q&A with myself and my husband Declan. Lots of you have sent in your questions for us to answer, so I will get him to come in soon and we will get started on those. But I just thought every week I would start the episode with a bit of a life update. Um, So what can I say for this week? Um, Everything is starting to get into that real busy time of year. Um, We have so many Christmas concerts, activities, events coming up. It is also Cohen's birthday on the 1st of December. He is turning five. Um, I think I have convinced Declan to let us set up the Christmas tree this year. I'm not this year, <laughs> this weekend. No, he's not that much of a Grinch. <laughs> um, this weekend. Um, seems like everyone's doing it much earlier this year, so I thought, why not join in too? Um, I also want to kind of do some Christmas lights out the front of the house this year, so I'm hoping to go to Bunnings and get them. Um, woke up this morning and my voice is a bit croaky, so I'm praying that... It is just because I did an extra day of teaching yesterday and I'm not getting uh, It's also really um, exciting because I think this that, is the first year that Moby is going to really understand what's happening with Christmas. Uh, when we go to the shops, he points out the decorations, his Christmas tree. I don't think he's going to be too keen on Santa photos, um, but we'll see how we go and won't force the issue. I did notice that the local shopping centre to me um, and I think a lot of shopping centers these days do um, sensory sessions. So it's like when the shops are closed so after everybody else is there and you can go and you get a bit of a longer session so it's not rushed and it's not with all the big crowds. So we might try that with Moby this year. Um, but yeah, we'll see how we go. Not too concerned if it's a disaster um but yeah so that's pretty much my life update for the past week and i have finally got declan in i found him so say hi declan (laughs) i'm just in the office but anyway hello everyone i hope you're all well um question number one i'm just gonna read through this one so did you think it was Okay, sorry, I think this is part one and part two, sorry. So the question is, I remember a few years ago when a doctor suggested ASD to you, how did you feel? That's part one of the question. So, okay, let's start with part one. So a few years, yes. So if you listened to last week's episode, um, it was actually, the doctor that suggested it was actually the ENT, um, ear, nose and throat specialist. So definitely not someone qualified to diagnose autism, but... In hindsight, they were right, so what can you do? But, um, yeah, so when that day when he did suggest that, and we did take him straight to a paediatrician not long after that, and he was still really young then. Um, do you remember how old he was? Oh, no, I'm not really remembering. <laughs> um, I feel like he was, you know, close to three so, you know, a lot of doctors, paediatricians don't like diagnosing autism too early on. I remember he asked me all those typical questions they ask you and he'd said to come back 
um, you know, in about six months time. But when that, you know, ENT suggested it, I was devastated and I was also extremely angry that he had suggested it. But I think for me, it probably always, as they say, a bit of the saying, the truth hurts. And I felt like deep down, I kind of knew he was right, but because he's not someone that could diagnose it, um, I was still kind of in that limbo land of knowing whether to accept it or not. Um, and as I did mention last week, for us, we saw the pediatrician and then when we tried to get him back into their ped and we went on the wait list for the assessments, um, because of COVID and everything, nothing was really happening. And it was kind of once we at home were reaching that breaking point of just being, you know, never knowing what was going on with these behaviours, questioning why basically everything was so hard that we made the decision to book him in and get their testing done privately. And I mean, it costed, do you remember? It was like, like thousands. We, we just, I know it was thousands. Um, I think it all up was close to about eight grand in assessments, but that's yeah. just part and parcel if you do private. Because even like, you know, when the daycare teachers fill out, you know, those questionnaires, if you've seen them, you know, they have always, sometimes, all the time, You, the psychologists charge for them to be able to, um, like, decode those so that you, you pay for everything. Every single little assessment, every meeting, every phone call you pay for. But, um, yeah, so part two of the question, did you think it was possible? Um I'll let you answer this one, Declan, because I feel like I've spoken about my side of it a lot, but let's hear Declan's. I mean, obviously, not being experienced, so as like Kira been a teacher, she's a lot, of, lot more experienced um, around ASD. So it's for me, I wasn't really expecting an answer like that or the outcome of what we've received. Um, so no, definitely wasn't. I guess, prepared for it or thinking that it was possible. Although I guess you, anything would be possible. So yeah, you, you could go down that track and say it is. Um, still these days, you know, different bits and pieces of the way he is, you wouldn't even think that he had those those aspects in him. Uh, so definitely. Yeah, and I think that's what we still get today. And I was actually listening um, to a podcast the other day, Amy Gerard's podcast, where she was interviewing a mum whose child has autism and she was saying that so many people say, oh, but they don't, you know, seem like they have it all, but they don't tick that box. And we get that all the time. Like when we tell someone Arlo has autism or when we initially told family members, everybody had the same reaction was like, oh, surely not. No, that's wrong. No, definitely not. And I think it is because he doesn't come across as the atypical autistic person. A lot of people um, aren't educated. A lot of, you know, people that, you know, older people kind of associate autism with, you know, the Rain Man, people like that. Um, which, to be honest, I think I was in that tune of thinking that's what autism was, which is why I had no clue when they said, oh, yeah, he's got autism, or they felt he had autism, and after all the assessments did come out that he did. Um, yeah, that's, that's why I was a bit shocked, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and that's why a lot of other people were too, because he is so sure... Um, he doesn't have all those typical tendencies. He does tick a lot of the boxes. Um, 
But it's great, I, great with numbers, though. Like yes, yeah, good, good, good outcome of that side of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and so I'm just bringing the question up again. And after um, the initial shock, of course, and then did you start the journey then? So, yes, pretty much the day I had that meeting, and the reason it was just me was because we were still in those good old COVID restrictions where only one parent could go, and Declan stayed home with, um, Cohen, um, I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, just Cohen. Maybe stage. I think maybe might have been in my stomach. <laughs> um, so yeah, when it's literally the minute we got that diagnosis was when pretty much we started the ball rolling on. So the first ball we had to start was the pathway for getting NDIS yeah, because so me supporting um, you once the psychologist the gave the him the diagnosis the next step was we had to get it that, signed you know, off by a pediatrician really to make the diagnosis and I think a thing we commonly say to each other as well when it comes to friends and sometimes from there we then have the appointment with you know to go out which is where you start to like a barbecue friends and all that and I think you know I think we commonly might say to each other and then while we were waiting for that I also got him on the way not that we're angry at friends or anything, but we're like, and you know, we get was, go through those moments of yeah, where we're much like, it. we were so also, it was just so hard um, to go getting out close and, you know, to when, understand because their kids don't um, have the following year like here going to school orientations um, and stuff. So I made and sure so I guess the need, I feel like we were flagging support that most people need ASD, with this, I personally think, and um, just to, yeah, so let's have a look you know, at the be next one to say, you know, I'm here if you want to love the episode, what support from family and friends. You know, um, go for a walk with someone, be there to have a chat, and um, just to just no judgment is the best. Yeah, way to judge. Look at it. I think judgment, and I well, I don't know. I don't personally think we've received any judgment. I probably wouldn't know if we have. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing. Is you? I personally think I was scared of. That was my initial thought. Was I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want people to not want to hang around us. I was always worried that Arla would have friends. I didn't want people to think, you know, well, we're not going to be friends with him because he's got autism or I didn't want thing, you know, a lot of, I always felt like it'd be out and about. I didn't want people to look at me and think I was a bad parent because he'd be having a massive meltdown. Um, just for me, it was all those guilt and, acceptance I think and realizing that yes some other people might not understand and that's fine and that's them um and yeah I think our you know my our families are still learning um Declan's parents my parents they're still learning as well what autism actually is what it involves what it looks like for Arlo because obviously it's different for every child and but they're great they ask questions which is I think that's really a really important thing I think is never be afraid you know to ask if you have got a friend whose child has you know special needs or is neurodivergent don't be afraid to ask questions and educate yourself because um I've learned a lot Declan's definitely learned a lot and our family have as well because obviously we're not all educated in this type of thing I mean, we're still learning every day. So each time something different appears, it's not like we're there and in shock anymore. It's along the lines of, well, these these are the things that are happening. Um, so, yeah, it's again, look, it comes back to, I guess, 
people in the experience having you know maybe maybe providing advice to others um but i guess if you're not you know in that scope of things then maybe maybe not providing advice to others but actually listening to others that are are experienced in it okay uh next question what behaviors do you struggle with most and how do you manage not to feel guilty okay great question I'll let Declan go first on what behaviours do you struggle with most. So we're going to go, we'll talk about Arlo first rather than Moby. I think... So with Arlo. Yeah, I think with Arlo, obviously the behaviours that are the hardest to manage would be when when he does have the meltdowns, considering, like, you know, he's seven, seven soon. So for me, you know, yes, and I still need to get my head around a lot of the time that he he's still yeah you know, he's he's developmentally delayed so he's for me with the meltdowns it should be you know he he should be able to cope a little bit better than what he does uh, so that's me trying to manage my own expectations of him as well uh, a lot of what I guess Kira and I would look into it is that us managing ourselves um, and understanding him that that really helps us understand what he's going through but yeah he's yeah the meltdown behaviors is that for yeah. me that's one thing i'm still coping with a lot for me yeah i agree and for me i probably feel like it's the um when he's fixated on something oh, the obsession the obsession so say for example i don't know just for example this might not necessarily happen but if we're going to the shops and he'll say i want to bring my ball and i'm like you can't bring your soccer ball to the shops and sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes if he is in that state of just that's his world right now, it is very hard to have a conversation and reason with him. And if I'm already in a heightened state of flustered, that's the behavior I find hard. In the past, not so much now, but in the past when he was younger and first diagnosed and we were still getting used to it, I used to find it the behavior I hated was when we had to leave somewhere. So say, for example, if we're at the beach um, or the pub, <laughs> you know, the park. You know, a lot of kids, when you say it's time to leave, of course, they get upset. But he used to have full-blown, four-on-the-floor meltdowns. And now we've realized that it was because, you know, we would just spring it on him. Like, okay, it's time to leave. And you can't do that with a child with autism. They need to have, you know basically like a visual timetable, a social story. They need to know that, okay, and at, you know, two o'clock we will be leaving and giving them those warnings, same as like when he's on technology. He need, he can't just be told, okay, it's time to get off. He needs that timer, that visual, you know, um, sign that it is time to get off. Um, he is very, very good with time. He is extremely obsessed with time. And, you know, how long have I been on there? What time is it? How long will we be there? How long will it take to get there? So for me, I feel like that's the behaviours I probably struggle with the most is um, just being able to reason with him and being able to, like, he, it's just the meltdowns as well. But they have definitely got better. And I think they've got better, not because so much of him, but we've learnt how to manage them better and put things in place so that they aren't as bad. And, they... and I also think, though, that what we're, we're doing with him has actually helped us with Cohen as well, so the second, our second boy, because we're, we're practicing these structures with Arlo 
And so then we just automatically rub those off and use those with Cohen as well. So it helps a lot yeah. on, on, with all with all three really, but obviously Moby's a bit young to understand that yet. With Moby, the things that I think we find the hardest now, what I definitely find the hardest is he's very so very different to Arlo. He is very, very like sensory and very afraid of things. Thank you probably noticed on my stories like we went for a stage where he was petrified of the beach. Um and just had a lot of massive meltdowns at the beach. So it kind of meant our life was having to change. Um, well, just like, even for example, like he he's pet, seems like he's petrified of the world, but he's not as well. So yesterday when, you know, we're at the shops and a big truck, you know, was a good 20 metres away and he's just absolutely completely had a meltdown and daddy, daddy, hug, hug, and just wants to be held and doesn't want to be let go for, you know, five, ten minutes, It's it makes things a lot more difficult. It, yeah, and especially when you have three. And, I mean, obviously, you know, all kids can have fears and stuff, but it's hard when, you know, we were at the um, a restaurant one night with a group of friends and we'd been there lots of times, no issues. But on this particular occasion, another group was having a birthday party and they had big um, number balloons, and Moby just was petrified of them. He still is. He's got a bit better, but he we couldn't be, sit in the restaurant area with him. We had to one of us had to stand outside with him at all times. So that made it really difficult. And I think because he is still so young, you can't really have a conversation with him yet to reason with him and find out why he's afraid. It's just that he'll he decides he doesn't want to be there anymore and he's scared and yeah i mean the, i guess the good positive out of the only only positive out of it is you know with the fact that you know it's nice nice that he likes being held but i guess you know it, it's it's good for the biceps you know it <laughs> gets the muscles going because he's pretty heavy um okay next question how do you support yourself as parents while navigating neurodivergent children um, good question. I think sometimes we need to be a lot better at this because both of us are the same type of people that we like to just kind of sail through life. We don't really let things get to us too much or really open up enough about it. Um, we try to have breaks, um, once a month at least we'll have, try and have a date night, um, I guess other things like, you know, letting each other have a quick go to the gym or, you know, you go for a walk and along the beach or something like that. You know, we yeah. give each other structure. We're very good at relief. letting, yeah, we're very good at, um, you know, giving each other time to blow off steam and do whatever it is that fills their cup, whether it's, you know, definitely going for a beer with a mate or me going, you know, I go to book club or I go out with friends for dinner, things like that. Um they're the things that definitely fill our cups. We're not really in the position yet to be able to have a night away. And um, I do struggle with that sometimes because, you know, it is hard. Like sometimes we would love to be able to just go and have a night away because simply going for a dinner is not sometimes enough. But at the moment, we're still in the thick of it. Um, Moby's too young. He doesn't sleep on his own. He sleeps in with us. So... You know, eventually we will be able to have a night away and stuff. But for now, that's not something we can do. Um, for me, I love reading. Reading definitely gives me that time to relax. Um, we're a beach-loving family. So doing things like that, and especially now that Moby, Moby, thank God, seems to have overcome his fear of the beach. Um, we seem to always 
fill our cup when we all go to the beach together. The kids are always so well behaved. Arlo loves being out amongst nature and it seems to always regulate him when we're outdoors. So that's definitely something um, that we do. I think another thing um, that I'd also say supports us is actually wearing them out. So getting them outside and running around and, and, and making them tired actually benefits us because that, that resolves any sort of meltdowns or issues that they might have. So it makes it a lot easier for us if they're tired because <laughs> um, then obviously gives us a little break as well that way too. Yeah. Oh, and another thing is I've actually also just recently started seeing a psychologist because I, you know, recognised that I needed a bit of support. So um, that's something I've started doing once a week um, solely for myself rather than it being, you know, appointments with the kids. So, um, yes, that's definitely something that is helping too. Okay, uh, next one. What's changed for the positive since starting therapy? Um, let's, yeah, so with Arlo... Um, obviously speech therapy has definitely helped him, but OT, I think with the autism is the one that really has made a big difference, not only just for him, but for us, our OT we have is fantastic. And, you know, I always have a time to chat with her and voice any concerns I've been having about any of his behaviors. And she's so good at giving us advice and tips. Um, I've, we've learned so much about how, you know, kids, obviously, especially boys in general, love rough play, love, you know, jumping off the furniture and crashing into things. But that's actually a really regulating thing for a child with um, neurodiversity, same as like a hammock or a swing, deep pressure. So we've learned, so through therapy, you know, Arlo has definitely changed, but we've also learned things we can implement at home when he is in that heightened state to be able to bring him back down to centre and... Um, I, I don't know. I think, um, I guess for us it was, you know, finding the right therapists as well. So, you know, we had a speech therapist who, I guess didn't really understand Arlo's needs quite as much as what he would have needed. So uh, we've got a new one now. She's amazing. Um, it's yeah. it's re- It really does come back to, you know, uh, I mean, back to one of the previous questions of things that we struggle with. For me, you know, speech is really helping Arlo, but again, he still has a dummy. So for me, him having a dummy is a struggle point. Um, and and wait, sorry, with that, we were correct. He still has, he has a dummy for sleep, not a dummy in the day. He has a dummy <laughs> for sleep. Sorry, he doesn't go to school with a dummy. He has a dummy and it is, we have, you know, it is different to a, you know, a toddler or a baby that has a dummy. For him, it is this, because with his autism, he's very oral, sen- like what they call oral sensory input. So he soothes by chewing on things. He used to chew his shirt a lot or... We've tried the chew toys, so, you know, that is a hard thing we're working at. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we're, it's, it's re- he's now at the age where we can have the conversation with him. He now understands that he won't be able to go, you know, really have sleepovers. He's, like, he's also at the age where he's developed that, you know, consciousness of what others think of him. So I think 
he's probably himself ready to get rid of it, but that is yeah, definitely what it's just a yeah, it's a sticking point for him at this stage. He's he still needs it as a you know, it's a coping mechanism that helps him sleep really. So Yeah. Whereas before, say last year or the year before, before school, even if he was upset or hurt himself, he would be looking for it, whereas he never looks for it now. So I feel, I feel like speech and OT has definitely helped with those aspects oh, of things. definitely, yeah. Um, a bit different with Moby. We haven't really oh, had Moby, a lot of therapy for him as yet. Well, physio, I mean, for the Moby, I think the therapies have all helped in the way of helping us get closer to a official diagnosis. Um, physio, obviously, definitely helped when... We were trying to get him to walk. They gave us fantastic exercises to do at home to build his muscle strength to be able to walk. And same as when we were trying to get him to crawl. Um, he has had a speech assessment and at the moment his language isn't, you know, delayed enough to need speech therapy. So he's on what they call watch and act. Um, but as I mentioned in the last episode, the next step with him is when he goes back to the ped them deciding if they're going to do those next lot of genetic testing because at the moment he's is all obviously definitely hypotonia and sensory issues is depth there's definitely sensory issues going on but um at the moment we haven't really noticed any strong autistic traits in him so we're not too sure where that would go i think his diagnosis is going to be different to arlo's Okay, this next question that I've saved for the end is actually a really good one, and I like this one. After going through the process, did you think or discover that you might be neurodiverse as well? So it's funny because I actually had my psychologist this morning, and she had got me to do a whole heap of assessments, and she said, you know, you'll be interested to know that you have come out like, absolutely not autistic at all um you definitely don't show any um I think she said I came out in like the fifth percentile so nowhere close to being at all autistic I'm quite uh, shocked about that these <laughs> things happen um I, def- I mean I know as we all know at the moment there's this big you know thing about adults with ADHD I definitely would have the traits of ADHD um but you know, as the neurosurgeon said, autism is genetic. Um, we have said before that my father, uh, we would suspect my father has autism, um, but obviously he's, what, 75. So when he was a child, I don't think autism was spoken about at all. So he is definitely undiagnosed du- undiagnosed autistic, but um, I would say he is. Um, no, I definitely don't think Declan is neurodiverse, um, maybe ADHD because he's very slow and unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there could be bits and pieces in around there. Uh, but even as my psychologist said today, we're all on some sort of spectrum. We all have traits and tendencies of different things. Um, you know, I in my assessments, I definitely came out with a fair few OCD traits and that didn't surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think technology has impacted everyone that way though and brought everyone out on a different level of scopes of, 
maybe having certain aspects of you know, ADHD or autism or you, know, you, you could look at everyone and say, oh, you know, you've got this with you. That's technically an aspect of ADHD or autism. So it's, yeah. it's a really broad range and surely, you know, I'm sure everyone out there has something and they look at themselves and go, oh, oh is that, is that going to make me, you know, does that put me on the spectrum or... But I think it's like, and that's where sometimes social media can be hard because I'm sure like, like I was on TikTok this morning and, you know, all over TikTok. I mean, it's not like you. it must be the algorithm that comes up for me, you know, and it comes up with, you know, showing traits of ADHD or signs you have autism and um, surely, yeah, sure, those things can be good. But I think it's always, as we all know, important to make sure you're getting your <laughs> info from a reputable source. Um or the uh, aspect Australia, I think it is Autism Australia has fantastic tools on there. If you are suspecting that your child may be autistic, I hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am Kira, your host, and this is Neurodiverse in Your Universe. Um, on today's episode, this is episode number two. So if you are back again, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Today's episode is going to be a Q&A with myself and my husband, Declan. Lots of you have sent in your questions for us to answer. So I will get him to come in soon and we will get started on those. But I just thought every week I would start the episode with a bit of a life update. Um, So what can I say for this week? Um, Everything is starting to get into that real busy time of year. Um, We have so many Christmas concerts, activities, events coming up. It is also Cohen's birthday on the 1st of December. He is turning five. Um, I think I have convinced Declan to let us set up the Christmas tree this year. I'm not this year, (laughs) this weekend. No, he's not that much of a Grinch. (laughs) Um, This weekend, um, seems like everyone's doing it much earlier this year. So I thought, why not join in too? Um, I also want to kind of do some Christmas lights out the front of the house this year. So I'm hoping to go to Bunnings and get them. Um, Woke up this morning and my voice is a bit croaky. So I'm praying that... It is just because I did an extra day of teaching yesterday and I'm not getting sick. Um, but other than that, boys are busy with daycare and school. And I, in my photography business, are busy this week and with lots of Christmas minis. And yeah, I think the key word this year is just busy, busy, busy. But anyway, without further ado, <laughs> let's get this episode started and I will bring Declan in and we will get started on these questions. 